2: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. Um, We'll get into uh, a couple of exciting things today, but first, we just want to introduce our guest, Xavier Morgan-Gillard. He's a friend of ours from high school. It's great to have him on today. Uh, I believe we've prepared a couple of quick questions for him that we like to ask all new faces on this podcast. So, Andrew, why don't you and Xavier take it away?
0: Right, so to get to know you a little bit more as a baseball fan, we got four quick hitters that we asked pretty much everyone so your favorite current Cardinal all-time Cardinal and then your favorite team that's not the Cardinals to watch and then your favorite player that's not on the Cardinals yeah
1: well first I mean thank you guys for having me Um, it's been great to listen Um, it's been great to you know give some feedback just to myself and now to be able to uh, actually contribute it Um, current Cardinal I'm going to go with Nolan Gorman I think he's just so exciting He's the guy that I'm most happy to see up to bat in a you know big scenario for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, all-time Cardinal, I'll go with David Fries. Uh, the 2011 World Series is really what got me into Cardinals baseball, what really made me a fan as a younger kid. And obviously, Fries was just a huge component of that. So he has really always stuck with me. Um, and then favorite non-Cardinals player. I'm going to go a little unpopular here, and I'm going to go with Anthony Rizzo. Um, I think the reason that a lot of us don't like him is because obviously he went from the Cubs to the Yankees, which are not the Cardinals favorite teams, but I just think he's a great guy. He's always smiling. And I think if he was on any other team, uh, he'd be much more kind of loved by Cardinals fans and baseball fans as a whole. And then for a different team, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays. Um, They're always really exciting. I think they have some of the cleanest uniforms in the whole game. That's they fair. have a bunch of great players like Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., and they're just always fun to watch if the Cardinals aren't on.
0: Uh, well, like one quick games. hitter um, about David Fries just broke the news recently that David Fries is actually declining his induction in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, which is pretty right. shocking. Um, I just released a statement about that, which is a little bit unfortunate for all the Cardinal fans that voted for him. I think he was the guy that I was going to pick to vote as well because just childhood memories of of watching that home run. So it's a little bit unfortunate to hear.
2: Yeah, definitely a shame. Um, But, you know, Cardinals fans will always still love David Freeze and he'll always be welcome at the ballpark, you know, no matter what. So, but uh, that's kind of the the feeling all around Cardinal Nation right now. They just can't get a win and they couldn't get a win this week. They have lost their last six uh, entering play today. Adam Wainwright will take on Senga of the Mets. It's not looking great today. Uh, that game's due to start in about an hour or so. Andrew, is there anything that you've got to sort of recap the last week, quickly sum it up?
0: <laughs> uh, the Cardinals didn't win.
2: Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Won since that's we what we I'm going to say. It's tough. Um, everyone who's watching this probably witnessed the Mike Yastrimsky home run, which was a real shame down to the last strike. I believe that's the third time the Cardinals have been one strike away. And, you know, many times they've been one pitch away from ending a ball game. So uh, that's pretty tough. The nice thing for the Cardinals, as usual, uh, they play in the NL Central. So in any other division, you know, being this bad, the worst team in the National League would have you between 15 and 20 games out by now. But the Cardinals are only eight and a half back in the Central. Not saying there's hope, um, but thankfully our division sucks. So I guess there is that. And, you know, if three games had gone differently, the Cardinals would be five and a half back and we'd be talking about, you know, buying at the deadline. So I guess things can change in a hurry. Look at the Reds who just won six straight and the Cardinals lost six straight. Now the Reds are basically tied for the division lead. Anyway, though, uh, we want to get into our main segment today, which is basically asking where do the Cardinals go from here and what should they do? Most Cardinals fans would agree that uh, Mo and Gersh have been incompetent as of late. And so we want to slot ourselves in as some armchair GMs and sort of say what we think the Cardinals should be doing to compete quickly. So I guess we're going to get right into that. Andrew, uh, he'll be presenting first. We've each prepared sort of a a semi detailed plan. They've got to be realistic. That's one of the goals. So, if you're going to talk about spending money, where does that money come from? Does that fit within current payroll um, sort of restrictions? And then, if you're going to talk about making trades, you can't just randomly fleece guys. They've got to be trades that both sides would accept. So, I guess we're going to get right into that. Andrew, uh, where do you think the Cardinals should go from here? Um,
0: I'm of the opinion, unpopular opinion, but it's getting more popular by the day, that the Cardinals should look in shopping Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I know that that comes as a big shocker to like a lot of fans who didn't even consider this at the beginning of the season. I said at the start of the season that my, that Goldschmidt was my favorite Cardinal and still I really like him and I don't want to see him go, but we have to look at the situation here or what 16 games under 500 doesn't look good at all. And you just have to, at some point, you have to realize that you're not going to compete this season. Goldschmidt has one more year left on his deal. He signed through 2024, and then he becomes a free agent. He's an aging first baseman. He's still very, very good, and I think he could fetch a pretty good price on the, uh, on the trade market. There's two teams that I am looking at currently to shop him to that I think could be favorites to land him are the Marlins and the Angels. So both teams have a hole at first base um i know i think the marlins might have a rise at first base or second base but that team is sticking infielders in the outfield with chisholm and center defensively they don't really know what's going on they need an anchor at first base because those infielders are not good defensively um and they need a power bat in that lineup uh, if they want to compete because their pitching is very very good and the Angels, I'm more well-versed in. They currently are slotting some platoon of Gio Urshela and Jared Walsh at first base. Gio Urshela is hitting like 300, but his projected numbers aren't very good. Um, and also, you can stick him at second base where Luis Renkifo hasn't really been really that good at all this season. And stick Goldschmidt at first base. You add that with Mike Troncho Heotani. That team... Is in pure win now mode. I don't think the Angels are looking towards the future at all. So I think you could get a very good return for him. The Angels, from my perspective, their sole priority this season is to retain Shohei Otani. If they don't, that's like probably the worst thing that has ever happened to that franchise. Um, so you have to find a way to get him to stay. And, you know, I, the Angels currently are tied for a wild card spot right now, but if they, scuffle and miss the playoffs or lose in the wildcard run, I don't think that's going to be enough to retain Otani. You have to at least make it to the ALCS, I think, for him to to want to stay because um, he wants to win. We'll get into that later with some of my my other, other moves, maybe less realistic for the Cardinals side, but I think you get a lot of really good young pitchers. Marlins have a lot of established young, young pitching prospects, and the Angels in 2020 only drafted pitchers. So, if you're looking at getting young starting pitching, I think those two teams you really have to look at. I know Sandy wants to jump in and, and comment. Yeah, Goldschmidt.
2: I have I have two problems with the Goldschmidt trade. One is just purely a baseball perspective. First off, if you're looking to get Patrick Sandoval, which is a name that I've heard you mention previously and a lot of other people have mentioned, I'm not sure the Angels would be interested in taking that deal because I don't think they want to just give away pitching talent. The angels for the last decade have had a very strong offense and they've had a pitching staff that continuously lets them down. This is the first year where they actually seem to have pitching depth. I don't understand why they would suddenly want to trade it away. So I'm not sure the angels take that deal. And then from the Cardinals perspective, I just think trading Goldschmidt is completely a step in the wrong direction. It's fixing the one thing on this team. That's not broken. Paul Goldschmidt this year has an 858 OPS. And his expected stats are even better than that. Paul Goldschmidt has been the one consistent bat in your lineup that continues to scorch the ball. He continues to hit it hard and continues to actually rack up good offensive numbers. That's why the Cardinals have to hit him in the two hole, which is a shame. I'd love to see him in the three getting more RBIs, but they need his bat and his on base ability at the top of the lineup, especially with Newt bar hurt. So I think from both perspectives, it's a little bit puzzling, but the most important thing to me here is actually looking at a non-baseball perspective And looking at the person that Goldschmidt is, I don't understand why you would want to trade that away right now. I think Paul Goldschmidt, I think most people agree at this point, Ben Verlander did a piece recently and said, Paul Goldschmidt's probably going to be a hall of famer. I think most of us would agree with that. Paul Goldschmidt is probably going to Cooperstown. He just passed the 60 war threshold this year. He's 35, which gives him at least three seasons to continue to rack up positive numbers. And who knows how long he could play. He could easily challenge 70 war, which is something that first basemen very rarely do. Um, He's also a fantastic person who everyone around the game seems to really love. And that only helps you. I think that's something that really hurt Keith Hernandez. He was a bit of a polarizing figure. He's the only first baseman that's had this kind of career, and not made it. I don't think Paul Goldschmidt resembles him in that sense. So I think Goldie is going to the hall and I think he would go to the hall as a Cardinal right now. If you look at his career with the Diamondbacks, sure. He did a lot of the you know foundational building of his career. A lot of his best seasons were there. But he came to St. Louis and actually tasted postseason success for the first time. He had some fantastic moments, including 2019, uh, that epic series against the Braves. He's gone to the playoffs four times as a member of the Cardinals. Um, And also he won his only MVP here which is something that a lot of people saw as the one missing piece of his resume to be a hall of famer. If Goldschmidt's inducted into the hall of fame and goes in as a Cardinal, which I think a lot of people expect at this point, should he remain here? That's a retired number. No one would ever wear 46 again here. He'd get a statue. He'd be around the organization forever. He'd be the next block in that great Cardinal legacy. And I just don't understand how you could give that away. I think that would be a colossal mistake on the part of the Cardinals. Um, You know, you don't want to give away Goldie's presence, the Cardinals already have done something like that in giving away Pujos's presence. That's why he's not with this organization right now. And I think that hurt a ton of Cardinals fans seeing him in Anaheim, whether he was good or not. You know, he was pretty terrible in Anaheim for most of that contract, but seeing him there just didn't feel right. And I'm not saying that Goldschmidt is Pujols. They're different people and they mean different, you know, different orders of magnitude in terms of what they mean to St. Louis, but it'd be giving away a Hall of Famer. And I just think those guys don't grow on trees. You can't just do that. So that's my take. Sorry. That's really wordy. Um, but I would be really upset if they were to trade Goldschmidt.
0: I mean, you're saying that about like getting a hall of famer or whatnot, but to me, the most important thing for this team is to win ball games, to win championships. And I'm not sure keeping him around is necessarily the best step forward. Like you can get a lot of pitching talent for him, if we were to get Patrick Sandoval, I think we would have to send either Flaherty or Montgomery to Anaheim or both of them because that team, I, I would recommend sending both of them to try to get Sandoval. Reed Detmers is also another guy that I'm looking at. Um, the Angels need to win now, and that's pretty much the bottom line. I think they need to be buyers at this deadline, and they need to to find another bat to complement Shohei Otani and Mike Traub, who has honestly really struggled in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's a lot of pitching depth on the Angels that that is lacking. So if you add two quality starters, you could you could snake Sandoval away from that organization along with a couple other exciting pitching talents. Um, ben Joyce is a reliever that I'm looking at. He would be a throw-in, he would be a throw-in player. Like he would not be the headliner of that deal, but he reminds me a lot of Jordan Hicks if his career had not been der- derailed by injuries and COVID. And the Cardinals trying to extend him into being a starter, which made no sense. So like you could get your next closer in Ben Joyce if you develop him correctly. Um,
2: They already have Helsley. Like I don't understand why we'd be trading. Helsley might be hurt right now and he hasn't had the most fantastic season, but what he did last year was unreal. Like you already have your closer. I I don't like the idea of trading away proven big league talent and, and acquiring relievers. And then also I think if Sandoval is what you get, for montgomery and Flaherty and goldschmidt that's a really bad overpay like i think you could get a lot more for those guys but i don't think the angels have those pieces
0: well you would presumably be getting a lot of pitching prospects and goldschmidt he deserves all his flowers once his career is done but he has not necessarily shown that he can be a winning player i believe he has like a 68 ops plus with runners in scoring position this season which is just not really that's, the answer i small mean small
2: sample there's not that many chances with runners in scoring. And you saw
0: last postseason, he went like over 10 and was up in a lot of big spots and just couldn't, like, I, I love Paul Goldschmidt. I want him to be with this organization, but for the rest of my plan, which includes trading for pitchers like Dylan Cease, Jesus Lizardo. And the one guy that I really think the Cardinals should be all in on, you're going to need to clear up a little bit of payroll. And if you're going to retain Goldschmidt long-term past 2024, I, I just don't think that that's in the cards. And I know I've been called crazy for this so many times. So many times. By so many people everywhere. By friends. By people on the internet. But you you have to be in on Shohei Ohtani next offseason because there's simply no one else you can be in on. There's Aaron Nola who has really struggled this season. Julio Urias who I don't believe is real. And then after that it's just Shohei Ohtani. He's the only starting pitcher on the market that I think is worth going after for the Cardinals. He as a DH this season is probably one of the most clutch hitters in baseball. He is probably the best hitter in the national Nash- uh, American league right now. And if you sign him to what I have written down to a 12 year, $620 million deal, which is what I would, I, I think is what he deserves to get and what he probably would get on the open market. I think that's a worthy sacrifice. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt being a franchise player, but you know what's, Shohei Otani is more than anything Paul Goldschmidt could become. He's going to bring in an entire new generation. It
2: costs three times what Goldschmidt costs. You're getting Four two players, players, you're, you're like getting two players country. in one.
0: And then you're two getting, players in
2: one. And if one of them gets hurt, they both get hurt. They're tied together. You're getting an entire nation of
0: new Cardinal fans.
2: An entire the country numbers. is going to be cardinal
0: fans. They're going to be wearing these cardinal hats. They're going to be going around and representing your team. Do you know how many people in Japan own Angels gear right now?
2: Sure. If, if you could oh get man. rid of Paul Goldschmidt and ensure that the Cardinals got Shohei Otani, I would do it. I would probably do it. But I don't, I don't think... Don't think I'm not saying that I'm not yeah, saying exactly.
0: that has to be... I, ideally, you keep both of them. But if you want even a chance at getting Shohei Otani, you, you have to let one of your big payroll guys go. Wainwright is going to be off the books. He's making like 17 million. Goldschmidt yep. is on for 26 million next year. DeYoung, you decline his option, that's 9 million. And then the payroll was going to increase anyway. So Otani, if you pay him, say like 60, 55 million dollars next year, which is what I had outlined um, for that deal, you still have enough payroll to go out and add a little bit more, like another pitcher or two. And I think this this Cardinal team has enough young talent and enough foundation to win ball games and to be a legitimate World Series contender by adding someone, even with that much payroll. And I understand if Shohei Otani gets hurt, right? That's disastrous for your team. But think about what that he does for you. Player. Yeah. Think about what that does for you if he doesn't get hurt. If he, if he doesn't get hurt, then the Cardinals, in terms of the worldwide recognition, become like the Dodgers and the Yankees. Everyone is going to be wanting these, these hats, these jerseys. Everyone is going to be representing your team because there's really never been anyone else like Shohei Otani. No one has the talent sure. that he has. And no one in baseball, I think, has been as non-controversial as him. Like you look at Bryce Harper, you look at Manny Machado, certain guys that the Cardinals haven't gone after because they're controversial figures like Carlos Correa. We were never going to be in on him because of the cheating scandal. But Shohei Otani has none of that behind him. He's probably the most loved player by most fans. And I'm not saying that because he's my favorite player. And because I I like having him in fantasy and he wins me championships. I'm saying that because that's what I've seen from the fans in Japan, from the fans in Anaheim, from the fans when he came to Bush stadium and the Cardinals were like 10 games under 500 in May, they still came out. They still came out to see this one player. You're going to, you're going to generate so much revenue and this team will become like more than, more than anything DeWitt could probably imagine. And I don't, if he—if he's not in on him, then he's not, he's overlooking that fact.
2: I think Shoyotani, sure. While he could generate you revenue, I'm not sure that one player will generate you revenue on the scale that would be required to completely overhaul the way the Cardinals have approached free agency for their entire history. The Cardinals have had generational players. The Cardinals had Albert Pujos, who had a 10-year stretch that was probably the greatest one of the greatest 10-year stretches of any power hitter ever. If you go look at his first 10 years in St. Louis, those numbers are pretty much unmatched in baseball history. There's a reason that Pujols could spend 10 years pretty much wasting away in Anaheim and still hit 700 home runs. right? Like He did some unreal things in St. Louis, and that wasn't able to change the way the Cardinals approach spending. Also, I think even if you get all these guys off the books, that doesn't that, that pales in comparison to the amount of money Shohei Otani is going to cost you because it's a long-term investment. Sure. You might be able to clear 50 million in one year. You might be able to clear 50 million from year one by getting rid of Goldschmidt by getting rid of Wainwright. But these are all short-term things that carry very little risk for the Cardinals. Even if Adam Wainwright had been hurt all season and hadn't suited up, it wasn't going to hurt us next year. It was just going to hurt for this one year and it was going to be like, eh, we really wanted to see Adam Wainwright pitch. And we gave him $18 million and we probably could have gotten away giving him $6 million. But I digress. I, I, that move is starting to bother me. But whatever the case, this is going to be 12 plus years. You also look at the way the market overperformed last off season guys like Trey Turner. were getting locked up for 13, 14 years. That's crazy. You Darvish just got signed through his age 42 or 43 season. Teams are now more willing to give years than ever before. They're going to be teams. I, I have the opinion, at least that teams are going to offer Shohei 13 to 15 years at some point in time. Sure. Shohei might not want that much year, want that many years, but I think if the Dodgers or the Mets or the Padres come calling and they look at free agents See very differently from the way the Cardinals do, but if they come calling and they say, "Hey, how about sixty million a year for thirteen years?" There's no way the Cardinals could do anything to beat that offer. Also, even if the Cardinals do sign Shohei Otani, that's a contract that they can't stand up under if it doesn't carry its own weight. Christian Yelich's deal was seven years, one hundred and eighty-eight million dollars. And that's a deal right now that a lot of people in Milwaukee really, really regret. And it's really hurting their franchise. It hurts their ability to spend. It hurts their ability to do just about anything. And Christian Yelich hasn't even been that bad. He's playing. He's not hurt. If Shohei Otani somehow busts over the life of this contract, which sure, it's not the most likely thing in the world, but if he does, the Cardinals couldn't stand up under this for the next decade and a half. It would really, really hamper their ability to do anything other than lose 100 games a year.
0: You you think the Dodgers or the Mets are going to give Shohei Otani like 13 years and $780 million? Do you think that's possible?
2: There I'm not going play?
0: 780, but I think they could give him 13 years, 660.
1: I mean, if, if teams were comfortable giving Bryce Harper 13 years, I think you know. it's ridiculous to say that they wouldn't be comfortable giving Shohei 13 years. And, you know, of course it would be more money per year than what Bryce sure. got. But you want to lock up that kind of player. And yes, injury can happen, but injury can happen to any player. And yes, I hear what you're saying about, you know, if one, if the batter gets injured, then the hitter gets injured or then the pitcher gets injured as well. But that's just a risk that you're going to have to take for a guy like Shohei Otani. I mean, by the end of his career, I think a lot of people are going to be saying he's the best baseball player of all time. And Sandy, if you are that concerned about keeping Goldschmidt as a Cardinal for the sake of, you know, having him in the Hall of Fame wearing the Cardinal uniform. I think it's a massive opportunity to get one of the best baseball players of all time, if not ultimately the best baseball player of all
2: time in a Cardinal uniform. I agree with that. That's why I said earlier, if I could just get rid of Goldschmidt and bring in Shohei Otani, absolutely. I would do that. But I don't think getting rid of Goldschmidt even brings in Otani because Goldschmidt's $26 million next year are, are pennies on the dollar to what Shohei will cost. Clearing that money doesn't just mean that Grandpa Bill It, stingy old Grandpa Bill, is going to immediately sign Shohei Otani. I mean, that, that is it would require a completely different concept of how the Cardinals approach free agency. It would require the entire organization to rethink the way it looks at money and revenue and payroll. And Goldschmidt doesn't do that. I mean, it's, it'd be a very small thing. I think if the Cardinals get rid of Goldschmidt, it changes absolutely nothing about how likely they are to sign Otani because you'd have to be completely all in on spending a ton of money on this team. You look at, you mentioned Albert
0: Pujols, who yeah, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. And he's definitely one of the best Cardinals of all time. But Albert Pujols was never an international star, like he's, he's Dominican and there's a lot of players from the Dominican that have really shined in the US and the major leagues. and. Yeah, he might be one of the best Dominican players ever, but he's not the guy. He's not their guy. You know, He was never going to sell that many jerseys outside of St. Louis. It was never really going to happen. But Shohei Otani is Japan's guy. Other than Ichiro, that is it. There is no one else that you can even compare him to. And Japan is so much more passionate about baseball. We've seen the WBC. We've seen how those fans show up. And if you get that entire country... It's just completely different from any other player you can even compare him to. And for what I've projected, for what I've laid out, six hundred and twenty million dollars over what, what did I say, twelve years? Twelve years. Yeah. I would say you pay him sixty-five million next year, right? And let's say Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt's contract is for twenty six. Let's say we, we pay the hitter Shohei Otani $26 million, which is probably not what he's worth. Because I would I would argue that currently Shohei Otani is a better hitter. Then you're paying the pitcher thirty nine million dollars, which is worth it. That's that's what forty year old Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer they're getting more. Sure. So if you well, want, Verlander's also won like
2: price. three Cy Youngs in an MVP he's and also was coming a off a season years. that was a lot better than Shohei's season last year. Like I understand why Verlander got that money for one year. The yeah. problem is we're talking we're talking stretched out. Like you're talking about Verlander's AAV. Yeah, if we want to talk AAV, if I could sign Shohei Otani to a three-year, $75 million per year deal, I would do that. Like if I was the Cardinals and I could get him on a very short-term deal, absolutely, I would do that. But you're talking long-term. You're talking a number exceeding $600 million. The Yankees just signed Aaron Judge to a $400 million deal that was like unprecedented. You think the Cardinals are going to go spend one and a half times that money on one player? The Cardinals have never spent more than $90 million on a free agent from outside the organization. Contreras was the all-time record. Shohei Ohtani would require septupling that number. Like we're talking times seven. I just I just don't think it's realistic. And that's why for me, like, yeah, if we could do it, I would. I'm not going to debate the merits of signing Ohtani. Absolutely. Go sign Shohei Ohtani. But Grandpa Bill, he's not going to do that. Bildewitt is not going to put up that kind of money. And that's why for me, Goldschmidt has to stay. And you got to, you know, he, he's the best hitter we're going to be able to get anyway. No one's going to be able to fill that void in the lineup because we can't get Shohei Otani. He, he can't come to St. Louis. It's just not possible.
1: I also think the fact that we were in on Juan Soto is at least an indication that we might dabble our feet in the water of the Shohei Otani sweeps. Sure. Now, obviously we didn't end up getting him and I'd be shocked if the Cardinals end up being the team to sign him and, you know, that's not going to happen. And so for the same reasons, I really think that Shohei is extremely unlikely. I think he's going to stay on the West coast somewhere, or I can of course see the Mets, but the Padres clearly don't care about how much money they spend. And I think that there are so many teams, like you said, Sandy, that are going to be much more willing to write him a blank check.
2: Yeah, there are just other teams that can that can write off that kind of money. Like if Shohei Otani gets hurt, the Yankees can survive that. And I know like, yeah, injury injury, like Xavier said earlier, you can't control it. It's risk that you take on and you have to take on some amount of risk. And I agree with that. But like, think about the Boston Red Sox when they signed Patrick Sandoval or Pablo Sandoval, not Patrick. Patrick's the, the Pablo Sandoval. When he signs with the Red Sox after the 2014 World Series, he was awful. In like the first year of that deal, he was terrible. And he was so bad in the second year that they took that eight-year deal worth over $200 million. And they just said, oh, we'll just pay the money. Like, who cares? And they just cut him. And they said, bye-bye. They were paying him to play for another organization. The Cardinals will never do that. Look at how long they strung out the Dexter Fowler deal just hoping that something would happen. Look at how long they have strung out the Steven Matz deal. Any other team at this point would have been like, you know what, you're hurt all of the first year. Now you're incompetent in the rotation and we put you in the bullpen and you can't even pitch. Steven Matz can't even pitch out of the bullpen effectively. Any other team would be done. Any other team would have been done with Luke Gregerson, Brett Cecil, Andrew Miller, long before the Cardinals were done. Paul DeYoung is another name here. The Cardinals, they, they just simply believe, and whether it's true or not, They believe that they can't let people go when things don't work out. And so that's why there's no way they would ever take on the risk of even a $300 million contract. I'm not sure we'll ever see the Cardinals sign a deal bigger than $300 million because they just don't approach risk that way. At least with the current construction of their front office and ownership group. Sure, if a billionaire bought the Cardinals, it would change everything. Uncle Steve, please sell the Mets and come here. But it's never going to happen. You know, the Cardinals as currently constructed don't view risk the same way those other teams do. Okay. So that was all we got from Andrew's plan. Basically get Shohei Otani. (laughs) Um, It's necessary. (laughs) And I I wish we could do that, but anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to talk Xavier and my plans here, which actually I think are pretty similar, but let's go with Xavier first uh, and see what he thinks we need to do moving forward.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been saying this for at least two or three weeks now. I, it's way past the time that Marmol has to go. Um, I think he's been just an awful leader for this team. I think, you know, you hear recently players like Arenado saying, oh, you know, he's been dealt an unlucky hand. He has had some bad luck. Um, And while that's true, you know, if you look at a bunch of the peripheral numbers, the Cardinals have been getting very, very unlucky. Um, At a certain point, that only goes so far. And I think Marmol is not someone that a lot of these players want to play for, not someone that they really look up to. Um, I think this team has a severe deficiency of leadership. Um, it's been pretty easy to lean back on guys like Yadi and Wayno mm. and you know Pujols last year. And Marmol didn't really have to step up into much of a leadership posi- position. Of course, he was the manager, so to some degree, yes, but I think he's just not cut out for the leadership that a managerial position, especially that of the Cardinals demands. And so I think he's got to go. And I think there's the longer that the Cardinals wait, the worse it gets because the less time a new manager would have to sort of become oriented with the team. And, you know, after any of these losses, now I'm kind of half expecting him to be fired. Who knows by the time people are listening to this, maybe he already has been fired. Hopefully. Um, Another thing, you know, I don't think this is really an unpopular idea, but I think it would be dumb of us to not trade guys like Flaherty and Montgomery, who will be free agents, of course, after this season. I think Flaherty to the Angels could be really interesting. He's a California guy. Um, He's demonstrated a lot of interest in going back there kind of subtly, kind of not so subtly. Um, And I think you could get a great haul of young pitching. Um, like we mentioned earlier, they just drafted a ton of pitchers. And I think you could sort of take some of those guys away in exchange for Flaherty um, with the Angels being in win-now mode with Shohan and expiring contract and Trout only getting older. Um, yeah. I also think, I mean, we have so many guys in the outfield and the middle infield. So I think guys like O'Neill, Carlson, and DeYoung are all expendable.
2: Mm. Um,
1: you could roll with an outfield of Newt Bar. Walker. And I actually think Edmund has looked great in the outfield. I think there's no reason to remove him from there, especially when you have guys like Gorman and Donovan and even Wynn eventually coming into that middle infield slot. Um, and I think for those guys, you could get in return guys like cease or Shane Bieber. Um, there's probably many, many other pitchers that are going to become available pretty soon as teams sort of go from on the edge to either definitive sellers or definitive buyers. Um, and then lastly, I think it's important to give Walker and maybe even Mason win some mm. some quality and pretty frequent playing time, because there's no reason not to really. Now, if there's any team that can take the Cardinals current record and somehow make the playoffs, it's probably the Cardinals. But yeah, that's obviously becoming less and less likely by the day. And I think it's almost a lost cause at this point.
2: Yeah, I really agree with a lot of what you said. That's, that's pretty similar to my plan, and I'll get into it in a second. Um, but yeah, I think really it does start with a shakeup. You need to probably remove Ali Marmol. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not like a professed Marmol hater, um, but I don't think that he handles things in the clubhouse very well. I think calling out O'Neill at the beginning of this year was the start of a lot of internal problems. And obviously we don't see everything. Uh, you know, We're just fans like the rest of you guys. So we don't see it all, but we're pretty plugged in. And I think we can sort of see some glimpses of it. You also look at teams who've started really poorly. Uh, Myself, I've been comparing the Cardinals to the Phillies from last year, the Nationals from 2019, and these teams moved on from their managers or had big shakeups around now, early June. You look at the Phillies last year, what did they do? They got rid of Girardi. When it was clear that it wasn't working out, they got rid of him. And with an interim, they went all the way to the World Series. They caught fire. You look at the Cardinals back in 2018. They fired Matheny, thank goodness. They brought in Schilt, who provided a jolt, and the Cardinals had their best August in franchise history and route to really blowing a playoff spot in the final week. They actually held a lead over the Rockies. And you think, wow, if Schilt had had a couple extra games, maybe he could have won those because Matheny was guiding the team to an awful skid in July. I mean, he was just the worst. I was a professed Matheny hater. Um, (laughs) But it was a birthday present for me when they fired him. It was like three days before my birthday. Anyway, though, like, had he had a couple more games, maybe he could have done something. And so the last thing I want to do at the end of the season is see the Cardinals finish two or three games out of an NL Central spot, because the NL Central sucks. The last thing I want to do is see us finish two or three games out and wonder, "Mm, wow, what if this, you know, what if McEwing, the the bench coach, what if he had had a couple extra days, a couple extra games that he could have won, because right now the Cardinals are in free fall mode. It it feels like every day. You know, if the other team scores first, it's over. Even if the Cardinals score first, it's like, oh, how are we going to blow it today? Right. Yep. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think he's prob- he probably needs to go. But I think everyone is going to fall into one of two camps on what the Cardinals need to do moving forward. And this is what I wanted to sort out before I built out my ideas here. So either it's performance-based or it's roster construction-based. So what that means is either the Cardinals, as currently constructed, are incapable of winning not just winning a championship, but even contending, right? So either you believe that the roster construction is flawed or you believe that the Cardinals is currently constructed are a winning ball club that is playing terribly. And that's, that's where I fall. I think it's performance-based. I think you look at guys who are having uncharacteristically bad seasons and uncharacteristically unlucky seasons. The Cardinals, in my opinion, are not an amalgamation of poor roster building and bad management. I think they are really a combination of, of bad luck, you know, unfortunate sequencing, unfortunate injuries, untimely injuries. I think that's what has built this 27 and 43 team that we call the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. And so in my opinion, this team as currently constructed can win. I think they can win a championship with Nolan and Goldie. Those are, I mean, coming into the season, they were ranked a top two duo in all of baseball they were ranked ahead of John Carlos Stan and Aaron Judge like that's high praise from the national media that generally doesn't give the cardinals a lot of praise mm. so for me instead of trading big pieces it's going to look a lot more like augmenting the current roster and so that's what i want to do here right what i am interested in doing first is probably firing marmol just like xavier said Um, And after that, I'm interested in making some trades for starting pitchers. The two that I've identified as guys I think the Cardinals need to go after are some of the same that were mentioned earlier. But I think Dylan Cease is a great example. The Cardinals need to go after Dylan Cease. The White Sox have a severe need in their middle infield, which is why I think Tommy Edmund and his ability to rack up five or six war in in a season and do all the little things right, which the White Sox haven't done right over the last five years, which is why their championship window has evaporated. But they could reopen it by acquiring guys like Tommy Edmund. And I think they want to. They don't want this current position player core that they've built up for so long to go to waste. And so I think you could get Dylan Cease. The reason I really like Cease, he strikes a ton of guys out. I mean, he finished second in Cy Young voting last year. So he's a really good pitcher. And he has three years of control left. But I think that, you know, it's the strikeout capability that the Cardinals need. And so he could become your ace. He could go to the top of your rotation. And sure, Tommy Edmond, it would probably sting. He's a fan favorite. No one wants to see uh, Tommy two bags go. But I think that's what you would need to do. And I think Edmund and then potentially a younger pitching prospect like Gordon Grisefo, or if you think that's too much, uh, a guy further off in the pipeline like Max Rachick or Pete Hansen, both those guys in their first year look phenomenal this year. Um, I think either one of them could be out the door and you could bring in cease and he's controllable for at least three seasons. Plus you could resign him. Uh, and I would love the Cardinals to extend him early. The second deal I'd like to see is I'd like to see us trade for Shane Bieber. Uh, the thing with both of these guys, so the guardians and white Sox are both sort of in the race in the AL central, like the Cardinals they've underwhelmed, but not to the same extent because they don't blow as many games. Class a has kept the guardians in a lot of games late, um, and so they're only about two and a half out. The White Sox are about five out. And so both these teams, if they become true sellers, might deal these pieces at the deadline. So we really need to root for them to either remain in the race enough to preserve their rosters so we can make offseason trades. Because I think these guys would be cheaper in the off-season, because guys are cheaper when you have them coming over for less games, less control. But I think if you have to, the Cardinals should be in play at the deadline. Buy in a season where you're not going to contend so that you can get these guys before they go elsewhere, because if Shane Bieber does get traded to a contender, he's off limits. But I look at the guardians. They just got rid of Zunino. They DFA'd him. Boy, he was an absolute colossal failure. So if you could trade Kisner, who's having one of his best, his best season by far, he's an above average hitter right now, renowned for handling the pitching staff. Very, very well, very popular guy in the clubhouse, uh, great chemistry guy. I think if you could trade Kisner Carlson, and then potentially um, a younger infield prospect, um, maybe Luke and Baker as a bat for them or Moises Gomez. They need outfield help. They need any power bats they can get, even with holes in their swing. Uh, they've shown in the past, like Oscar Robertson, for example, they're willing to give, or Oscar Gonzalez, they're willing to give guys with holes in their swing chances. I think Cleveland would be really interested in that kind of package. So I think you could acquire both those guys with keep, while still keeping Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Tink Hence, that big three, intact. After I trade for those two pitchers, I'd like to sign one free agent pitcher, probably Frankie Montas. I think he's the most interesting option to me available. I think because he's been hurt all of this year, scuffled at the end of last season, his value is going to be way down. But he's a career 3-9 pitcher. Uh, he's been really good for most of his career. He had a PED suspension earlier, which would also help to lower his value. He seems like a guy the Cardinals could buy low on and really ex- really excel. Um, you look at Carlos Rodon when the Giants bought low on him last year nothing but dividends. And I really wanted the Cardinals to be in on that market. So I think they could be in on Frankie Montas before anybody else, maybe a three-year, $8 million a year type of deal. And I think he'd take that for the security and control. It wouldn't be something you couldn't stand up under. It would be even cheaper than Matt's in my opinion. Uh, that's a deal I'd really, really like. So you'd be able to pair those three pitchers at the top of your rotation with Michaelis and then at least one internal solution. And if you can't get Montas or can't get one of those two trade guys, I do think the Cardinals have a lot of internal options that are going to mature. Tink Hens could be ready by the end of next year, and we all see he seems like a a can't-miss guy. He's the most talented pitcher to come through this system since Reyes. Seems like he's probably going to be more hyped than even Jack Flaherty was when he came up. So... He's clearly an option. Cooper Jerpy seems like a slam dunk pick for the Cardinals from last year's draft. He looks Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, And then a couple younger guys that I mentioned earlier, and then some that I haven't, but Bryson Motts, Ian Bedell, Pete Hanson, Max Rachick, all these guys are having great seasons down in the system. And I think they could all contribute at least by the end of 2024 or 2025. After all of that, I'd like to see the Cardinals roll with their current outfield. And like Xavier said, give their young guys plate appearances. I'd love to see a Newt Barr, uh, Walker, and then maybe Burleson outfield. I really like what he can do. I want him to sort of work on his, uh, his chase rate. It's kind of bad. He makes contact with stuff outside the zone, which is really his problem. I'd rather him swing and miss at pitches outside the zone. But instead he makes contact and it's poor contact. But that's a whole nother thing. That should be a written article. Um, but I think that's what the Cardinals should be doing. I think if they do that, there's a route to contending as soon as next year. And firing Marmol is probably the last-ditch effort at contending this year. So I think we've got a lot of similarities. Xavier, is there anything in there that you think is awful or completely off-base?
1: Definitely not. I think a lot of that sounds good. You're definitely more versed in prospect knowledge than I am. Um, One thing I'll say that you touched on a bit earlier is you compared uh, Mike Schilt's tenure. Mm. If you look at when Mike Schilt was fired... He and the Cardinals had a winning record at the time he was fired, yeah. and they were you know, right in the mix of the NL Central. I'm not sure if they were in first or maybe the Brewers were, but he had a roster led by guys like Matt Carpenter, Marcelo Zuna, Yadier Molina's offense, which obviously at that point was pretty not great. And he was fired. And so Marmol is clearly not being held up to those same standards that Mike Schilt was. And I think really the only reason for that is that Moselock knows that if he fires Marmol and he keeps firing managers over and over again, he knows that at a certain point the blame is going to turn back towards Mm. him. And I think he's just not willing to let that happen.
2: Mm. Yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I really like what you're saying there. That's a great point. Um, I remember after Schilt got fired, there was a really sad piece that was written uh, that was in the post-dispatch that I read, and it was an interview with Schilt, and it was about, so it was right after um, the postseason loss to the Dodgers in 2021, where, you know, walk-off home run, Chris Taylor, like, what are you going to do? Alex Reyes wasn't the guy to put in, Schilt mismanaged that situation, put him in, and uh, Mosellac fired him a week later. And there was a piece, and it was just, it was heartbreaking. And it was from Schilt's perspective about how he walked into the meeting expecting to have his contract re-upped because all he'd done is win. Schilt came to the Cardinals and did nothing but win. Uh, He actually finished third in manager of the year voting that year and then got fired, which is comical. Like, how How, how does a guy almost win the award for being the best manager and then get canned in the offseason? And it showed that the Cardinals were clearly wanting some sort of yes-man puppet manager, and that's Mm kind of what Marmol is. Like, I hate to say it but i think that's exactly what marmol does he probably doesn't even put together the lineup card n- the more i think about it i mean buck showalter said something recently about not being a manager he doesn't get to put together the mets lineup card and i think the cardinals probably exercise even more control cuz showalter's one of those you know classic old school managers and so mm-hmm. what is his job really it's to get the most out of his players and he's not doing it uh which you know you've touched on and yeah he's not being held to the same standards because i mean and if you're the cardinals you tell Marmol, hey, listen to us, or we'll get rid of you. And you're not even 40 yet. You're not going to be a manager anywhere else. Like no one right. else in the world would hire this guy. He's especially he's,
1: after this year. I yeah, mean.
2: he didn't even get close to playing professional baseball. Which, like, hey, you know, none of us got close to playing professional right. baseball. I get it. Right. But he's probably has the least baseball experience of anybody in the majors right now as a manager, probably ever, because it was pretty wild that Schilt was a manager without having played major league baseball, but he got closer than Marmol did, you know?
1: And he also had something like 16 years yeah. of experience with the Cardinal system yeah. in some capacity. I think he started as a scout and then mm-hmm. made it all the way up, which, I mean, once I heard that, it just made it even more heartbreaking yeah. about his firing.
2: Well, his parents were like married at old Bush it really? was like, yeah. Wow. yeah. They, they worked back in the day um, for St. Louis baseball organizations. So, okay. I mean, he was like, yeah, about as much of a Cardinal as you could be without actually playing for the team and Marmol, it's a stark contrast for sure. So yeah. it's, it's just surprising. Um, yeah. Every one more thing about Marmol's tenure this year that I really hate. Generally, I see off days as something I don't look forward to. Because Mm -hmm. Cardinals don't play. So what am I going to do all day, right? Not watch baseball. And so I look at off days as like a chance for the team to reset. Um, They serve a purpose. The Cardinals are terrible after off days. In case you haven't been keeping track, I have. (laughs) We've lost (laughs) every game after an off day for the last two months. That's awful. Like you look at, okay, so the Cardinals had that awful April, terrible first weekend in May. And then they had the off days after the Angels series. And you're like, great. We're going to reset everything's going to be better and then they walk out and get smacked after that first off day in about 12 days and then they had the 19 straight games in may followed by two off days and what happened after that they walked out and just got obliterated they looked terrible after their last off day they lost two or three to the pirates and then after the one after that right the other day they walk out and just get obliterated by the mets yesterday like nothing nothing is happening in these off days um After the Dodger series, they had an off day. And what happened? The Reds came out and beat them because of Trace Barrera and his inability to stop the ball. So I digress. The Cardinals, it just doesn't seem like anything is going right within management. And Ali Marmol needs to go. I hate to say it. I'm not an Ali hater, but he needs to go. Yeah.
1: And another thing, you know, when the Cardinals were having such a bad stretch, those 19 straight games, you know, yeah. the thought was, OK, they're just tired. They've been playing a heck of a lot of baseball recently. Maybe these two straight off days, which, by the way, very oddly placed to have two consecutive after 19 straight games. But yeah. that's kind of irrelevant. They have been two and 10 since those two off days. Maybe it's two and 11 at this point. I'm not sure when that stat was updated. But they certainly haven't won another game since I saw that. Um, That's just abysmal. Those two off days were sort of what gave this team hope during those 19 games, right? Oh, the schedule's been so unfair to us. You know, after these two days, we'll be all fresh and good and we'll start winning again. And just the complete opposite of that has happened.
2: Yeah, I just want to know what's happening. Like what's being said to the players at this point? I know that Ali has a reputation for not being a big motivational speech guy, whatever. But like what's being said? Seriously, who's trying to light a fire under these guys? Um, who's the emotional leader in the clubhouse? Does Ali give someone room to do that or does he do that? That should be his job. I remember Mike Schild's speech after the 2019 NLDS when he just went crazy in the locker room in Atlanta. Like does Ali show any signs of being that guy? Can he do that? Because I remember Schilt lit a fire under that team and they were pumped moving forward. But I don't see, and and you know they got stomped by the Nationals, but they were in the NLCS, okay? And that was pretty good. I yeah. don't see Ali showing any signs of being that guy. Um, and it's a little bit frustrating. It's a little bit frustrating that the Cardinals continue to stick with him. Like you said, pretty much every time the Cardinals have another painful loss, I think, wow, today is the day. today's the day Ali goes and then he doesn't and and we don't hear anything from Mo Mo has been silent on this issue everyone's been silent
1: absolutely and you know (laughs) I think another thing is that um I have never heard Marmol and I don't watch every one of his you know post-game conferences but so I could be missing something but I have never heard him take any blame for the Cardinals struggles he always finds Mm. a way to pin it on somebody else the players and I'm not saying the players have been great because obviously they haven't but as a player you want to play for somebody that's rooting for your success and that feels like yeah. they're on your side right yeah. and I think a manager is supposed to be an advocate for on behalf of the players to the management and this Ali Marmol feels like an advocate for the management and the higher ups and he's sort of exerting that on the players so I think he kind of has the whole thing backwards And I think that makes it really hard for players to feel motivated to go out and win for this guy.
2: It's a great observation. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think he's probably lost a lot of the clubhouse. And if he hasn't lost everyone in the clubhouse, there's got to be division. There's got to be internal division as to how players feel about him. I guess the one question to ask now is if Marmol does get canned, who's the guy in your opinion?
1: I honestly have not put a lot of thought into that simply because I think that pretty much anyone would be better than Ali Marmol. Yeah. And even if it ends up being kind of an interim guy this year, and then they go out this coming off season and search for, you know, a more permanent replacement. I think that regardless of who it is, I would rather have you as a manager right now than Ali Marmol, because I think you would have that humility and say, you know, these players are at a Higher level than I ever was. And so I can learn something from them and mm. I can let them go out and be the best players that they're going to be. And I'm not going to oppress them and hold them to standards that aren't fair from management that doesn't fully understand those players.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it can't be you or me. This is why I really wish the Cardinals hadn't let Skip Schumacher get away. Look at what his Marlins are doing. They are currently 18-4 and in one-run games. On the flip side of that coin, the Cardinals are 7-16, and easily the worst record in baseball. More one-run losses than anybody in the league. In close games, the Cardinals, I haven't looked at it recently, but we've lost close games, you know, anything three runs or less. Uh, We've lost nothing but close games over the last couple weeks and we've got over 35 losses in close games on the season. So, or over 30, not 35, but it's, it's terrible. Like yeah. the management at some point it's coaching. The reason the Cardinals can't get over the hump and can't win it's coaching. It's gotta be something that has to motivate these guys. I think if Marmol gets let go, probably going to look to the bench coach. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, I believe it's Joe McEwing. Yeah. He's a long time guy. He's been around. He seems really respected amongst the league. So it could be him. Uh, It could be another internal option, but I think hopefully the Cardinals can say, okay, the experiment of, you know, trying to go the Sean McVay route and have a 35 year old dude in the locker room didn't work. So let's go back to doing it the way everyone else does it and see success. Right. Right. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it today for us on Newt news. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on Xavier. It was really great to have you. We look forward to hopefully having you again uh, in the near future And hopefully the Cardinals can just make this fun. I hate watching losing baseball and I'm about to get suckered into watching this three hour game. So um, I'm about to invest all of my time today in this. So (laughs) yeah, Um, Cardinals fans stay strong, uh, stay plugged into the team. Please keep watching the games. Hopefully it gets better. It feels like it has to, but then again, the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals are an enigma of bad luck, woeful incompetence (laughs) and untimely sequencing. Um, that's gonna do it for us. Thank you so much everybody for watching. Please um, like, follow, subscribe, do whatever, comment, share this with your friends. Uh, we really enjoy putting out this content and we would love it if you know, you could show us to everyone um, and just grow our platform. If you have any questions or anything you want us to discuss please feel free to just ask below and we'd love to you know bring up your questions moving forward. Uh, we're working on some really exciting things down the pipeline. We're hoping to have some exciting guests on soon. So thank you, everybody. Uh, Signing off today from Newt News.